Hey, uh, we are in our third week of this series called Check Yes or No, and just doing a little bit of a, a look into God's Word to, to get a little bit from it of some biblical principles of how we can look at dating differently, how we can do it differently, so that um, we are, we, you have a higher um, percentage of success, is what, the way we'll say it. So I want to start tonight by uh, rewinding the clock a little bit into about a year ago. So last winter was an interesting season here in Oklahoma. We had, I wanna say, three significant snowstorms where things were shut down, there was no bread or milk in the stores, right? Like the end of the world was upon us, like at least three times, and I think we had maybe like two inches of snow. Um, and what happened, like this, this happens almost every time, especially here uh, in, in Oklahoma. If you're watching us from outside of Oklahoma, you may not know. But in Oklahoma, we are not prepared for winter weather, all right? We're, we're just not prepared. I think, we have, I think we officially have one snow pile for the entire metro area. And so what happens is it starts to snow, right? And we're, and we're all super giddy and excited. We're like, oh, yay, you know, it, it's, it's winter, it, it's cold, we might as well have some snow. It'll look beautiful. And then last winter, three times, we saw, oh, it's not stopping. Oh, I, I can't see the road outside. And oh, they're closing schools and workplaces and, and all of a sudden they're like, don't drive if you don't have to, right? And so those of us who are a little bit more adventurous like, well, if I don't have to, then I'm absolutely going to go do it. And so we go out on the road and what happened in Oklahoma, what happens is, especially last winter, we saw this when it snows and you have your, your headlights on, like, all of a sudden you can't see anything. And then you gotta start squinting and you start white knuckling the drive, the steering wheel and because for a moment, you, you don't know where the road starts and ends because it's completely covered. And there's this moment of panic where we're like, oh, I need to, I, well, I need to slow down. I've, I cannot continue on the way I'm going. I can't see where I'm going. I can't see the road. The snow's in my face. My knuckles are making a dent in my steering wheel. And that's how we handle snow in Oklahoma. Now, if you were to go out west into the Rocky Mountain area or anywhere in the northern section of this country, they handle it totally differently. I grew up in Iowa. If we didn't get like 10 inches of snow after 6 a.m. in the morning, we were still having school because they had like one snow pile for every street in town and they could clear the entire city in about a half an hour. And so they had the snow piles and they had the salt and the sand and they had all these things, but out in Colorado, they, they, they won up because they get a lot of snow. If you've ever gone skiing, you've seen this. On the side of the roads, there are these huge poles that line the, each side of the road so that you don't drive off a cliff, right? Because the snow can get so deep and it gets so blinding that you gotta have these, these like 10 foot tall poles on both sides of the road to keep you on the road. Is it still scary? Yeah. But there's a comfort in knowing, hey, I at least know I'm on the right road. And I share that only to say this. I think dating is a lot like the snowstorm in Oklahoma, right? We are gripping the wheel like, oh, my Lord. We can't see where the road begins and the ditch starts. And we just start driving because somebody's like, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go have some fun. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a ditch, or into a pile of snow that we can't get out of. And so as we talk about this dating series, that's, especially tonight, that's the imagery that I want you to have is that dating is in and of itself an unknown. It's a snowstorm, it's a blizzard. 
So there are going to be moments of a little bit of panic, a little bit of scariness. It doesn't matter what we do because our emotions are involved. Our self-worth and our self-value are involved. And so because of that, we cannot avoid the fact that it's a blizzard of emotion, all right? And for some of you who don't like emotions, that's a terrifying idea in and of itself. But it's a lot like a blizzard. But what I wanna do tonight is I wanna put those poles on the side of the road for you. I wanna give us some biblical guideposts so that as we drive down the road of dating, it doesn't matter how hard the snow's coming down, it doesn't matter how cold it is, how much the wind is blowing, you can know, hey, I'm on the right road as I go through this process. So that's what I wanna do tonight, because it can be scary at times, but at least we'll have some guardrails guiding us as we figure this thing out. So tonight, we're gonna talk about how to date. All right, the first week we talked about the why, right? And the, the, the first principle of week one was we're dating for a lifetime, not just a good time. That's the principle of week one. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we don't date just because we're bored. We don't date just because we, we want to feel loved and ooey-gooey feelings. Like God created marriage his way, and that's the, and that's the way our culture does it. We, that's how we move towards marriage. And so dating is not just for a good time, but it is for a lifetime. And I promise you this, if you date for a lifetime in mind, you will have a great time along the way. That was week one. It's a lot shorter than week one, but there it was. Principle number two, last week we talked about the who of dating. Right, this idea that true fulfillment cannot come from relationships of this world, but from first our relationship with our creator. Like that's where it starts. If we can find our worth and our value and our security in the fact that God knows you, he loves you, he created you, that he is for you, and if we can understand the lengths to which he has gone to love you and care for you and be for you, then all of a sudden we realize, hey, as long as we got this right, now I can handle this a whole lot better. Not as desperate anymore on this level, because right here, I know the Lord, I know he knows me, I know he loves me, I know he's got a plan for me, and he's gonna work all things out for the good of those who love him. And so it starts here, not here. We don't find our hope in a person, right? We find our hope and our purpose in our Savior. And then this week, the how, and this is the third principle of the series, is that we are dating a child of God, a brother or sister in Christ, so date to bless, not to impress. We date to bless, not to impress. And so what I wanna do as we start off is I wanna give you three scriptures to build a foundation. If you guys are coming up to uh, Thanksgiving, right, and, and when you go home, you might be helping set the table. I wanna set the table, all right, for with three scriptures. So the first one is Philippians 2, two through four. Paul writes this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. You see, these three verses are a biblical worldview of relationship. And what Paul is saying is, hey, value others above yourselves. Look for their benefit, not your own. And then he says in Colossians 3.17, Paul says again, and whatever you do, in this case dating, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether you go to work or whether you go out for, with friends or whether you go on a date, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Romans 12, 10. It says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters take the lead in honoring one another. I don't know if you know this, but the idea of dating is not in the Bible. There is no concept of boyfriend or girlfriend in the Bible. There is only brother and sister in Christ and husband and wife. We've created this weird middle part. And so I think when, when we start to date, and some of you guys, when we've talked about this and, and the wounds that you felt is because the person that dated you did not treat you with honor. They did not see you as someone to honor and care for as a brother or sister in Christ. They saw you as a person to be used for their desires. But Paul says, I love this. He says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead, not just guys, both take the lead in honoring one another. You see, the world's way is to use one another to fulfill desire or insecurity or squelch fear. God's way is to love and honor and serve one another. It's totally different. The heart of our world is use them as long as they're mutually agreeable to use you and we'll just see how it goes. We'll use each other so that we can just, and we'll, and we'll just cross our fingers and when it starts to not go well, we break off. God's way says, no, no, we're, we're going to do this for a lifetime and so we're gonna, we're gonna build a relationship on honoring, we're gonna build a relationship on serving, we're gonna build a relationship for a lifetime. And so as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our dating relationships should look drastically different than the rest of the world. Because where we're coming from is a drastically different place and where we're going is a drastically different direction. And so it should look different. So how do we date? I'm gonna give you five things tonight. Hopefully we'll get through these uh, before the sun comes up in the morning. No, just kidding. Here we go, how to date. Number one, we're gonna start prayerfully. We date prayerfully, right? And you're like, okay, Andy, great. Here we go, the Christian stuff, Jesus, prayer, whatever, read your Bible. I'm serious. We start with prayer. Colossians 1, verse three says this, we always thank God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people, stop right there. How wonderful would it be to be able to pray for the person that you are going on a date with? These words, right? I pray for you, date, because I have heard of your faith in Christ and I have heard how you have loved God's people. We should be able to say at some point, the person we're dating, we should, we should be able to say that about them. I've heard about your faith in the Lord. I've seen how you take care of God's people. That their life isn't just about them. Well, let's continue. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, right? Maybe you heard his name, you saw her across the room. From the day I first heard of you, Paul says, since the day we heard, we have not stopped praying for you. Is he talking about dating? Probably not. But I think the principle here is that we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Before we go on a date with them, we need to be praying for them. Before we ask them out, we need to be praying for our own hearts. Because he says this, we continually ask God, and this is what we pray, we ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, 
through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So you see, this is the first step. We, we, we drop to our knees and we pray. We say, God, I, want, I need help. Help me to trust you with this. Right, help me to, to find my peace and joy in you, not in a person. God, help me. Right, prayer is where we invite God into this process. I, I, I just think, as I've met with young adults over the years, I think it's so much, there's so much in their own head that they've never even thought, like, I need to invite God into this process. In fact, I need to let him take the wheel, right? It's like, you lead. You show me what you want. Instead of trying to, white knuckle the steering wheel on a road you can't even see and there's wind blowing everywhere and you're just trying to stay on the road. Like God, I'm gonna do it your way. You see, prayer is the active activity that transfers trust from trusting ourselves to trusting him. So we start dating with praying. of saying, God, I trust you more than I trust me. Like you guys all know a friend like this. Right, they, 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 they get into their head and they, they, they sabotage it before it even begins. Or they talk themselves out of it before it even begins. Because they're trusting in themselves, they're listening to themselves versus coming before the Lord and saying, God, I wanna transfer trust to you. I wanna trust you more than I trust my feelings or my fears. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties, worries on him. Why? Because God cares for you. You are not a burden to him. You are not a bother to him. He cares for you. And when we start bringing our dating life, our singleness before him, and we transfer that trust to him, what you'll see is it frees us from the fear because we're no longer alone. We're not the only person in here. When we're the only person in here, that's when things go crazy. You say, God, I wanna invite you into this process. Walk with me, lead me, guide me, show me your ways. And when we do that, we no longer date out of desperation. You see, when we can get the vertical connection clear, when we can find our security, when we can find our value, when we can find our peace and joy in the Lord and how he sees you, when you understand the depths with which God has gone to love you and welcome you in, then all of a sudden you can start seeing other people not as something to be conquered or someone to be used, but just someone to honor and care for. And it's okay if they don't give you the feelings that you need. You've already got them. You already know who knows you. He knows you completely and totally and fully loves you. We can bring our anxieties to him because he cares for us. Number two, how do we date? With kindness. We date, this sounds silly, but we do it with kindness. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. Paul is writing the church in Ephesus saying, listen, be kind to one another. <laughs> I love that Paul is telling them this, because it means that we're not unique, that we don't, we're not unique and we live in a time where people are unkind. You see, our, our, our tone of voice matters. 
The words that we speak matter, right? You guys probably grew up hearing, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Biggest lie we've ever heard. I would rather take the sticks and stones because there are things that people have said to me that still are with me 30 years later. And when this particular thing happens, those words come rushing back. Well, maybe they were right. And so when it comes to navigating the waters of dating, and just sidebar here, specifically in the asking out and specifically in the breaking up, we need to be kind to one another. Because ladies, that brother in Christ is terrified out of his mind to ask you out. And he has thought about it and he is stressed about it. And so whether you accept the date or you say no, be kind with your words. Be kind with your facial expressions, all right? Gentlemen, if you're in the same boat, be kind to them when you ask them out. Be kind to them when they say, no, I'm not interested. Right, it's just, it's a turning of our heart. Instead of protecting ourselves in the moment, let's protect them. We're there to serve one another and to care for and honor one another, our brother and our sister in Christ. Because what unkindness, in my opinion, as I've watched this environment over the last several years, is that the unkindness that I see is, is, is the words we use and the tone of voice that we use. It's talking bad about them or making fun of them after the fact to our friends. Can you believe they asked me out? Right? Or, we, or they go on a date and they, and they gossip later about how ridiculous it was. Or can you believe they shared this or said, like, no, that's unkind. We can gossip about our dating life got, like, masqueraded as like we're just venting or we're just, we're just sharing and trying to be vulnerable and honest. But what we're actually doing is we're throwing our brother and sister under the bus. And so having a heart to be kind Avoiding them or dismissive, being dismissive of them is, is unkind. Don't avoid them. Honor them as a person, regardless of whether you're interested or not. That's, I'm not even talking about that yet. Just as a human being, as a child created in the image of God, we honor them, not by avoiding or dismissing. But we, we are kind to them. One really strange way that I think is really unkind is when we secretly call dibs on someone who is not yours to call dibs on. They're not yours. Maybe they, you were dating them and now they can't date anybody else because you dated them. It's unkind to call dibs on a human being that is not your spouse. It's not kind. We're here to serve and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let our goal be to bless them, not impress them. Because when we try to impress them, we are showing a part of us who we are really not. Because let's be honest, we're not that impressive. We're not like, we, like your family knows, right? Like I, I love, like one of my, the, my favorite, like one of the things that puts my heart to rest, I have one daughter and she is awesome. And she is beautiful, and I, if I talk, I'm gonna start crying. But like, I love her, she's wonderful. But one of the things I love about her is <laughs> she gives no cares. Because she lives with five dudes. And she's like, you don't impress me. 
So whenever that guy comes along and tries to impress you, be like, I know who you are. I got four, four or five of you into my house. I know that's not who you are. I know you stink. I know you're rude. <laughs> like, she knows. Sorry, that's a side road. But this idea of trying, like, I'm gonna go impress. I'm gonna put out the best advertisement of myself possible. If that's your heart, there's, there's always gonna be a twinge of deceit there. And so let's go into the dating relationship. Thinking, how can I honor? How can I serve? How can I care for my brother and sister in Christ? And then all of a sudden, dating looks different. Because when we date with kindness at the forefront of every step along the way, we speak different, we react different, we think different. When kindness is on the doorstep of every step we take, how can I do this with kindness in my heart? How can I say this with kindness? How can I reject them with kindness? How can I encourage them with kindness? How can I speak to them after the fact with kindness? Number three, how do we date? Intentionally and with clarity. Intentionally and with clarity. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty, impatient, comes only to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. Now, I'm pretty sure this guy's not talking about dating, but the principle is true. When we plan and we are patient, things go better. When we're impatient and impulsive, we will come to relational poverty because we will not have what we want. We will only have the wounds and regrets of impatience. And so these two things, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 14, love this verse. Paul says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And so as we date, we date with intentionality and we bring clarity because these two things are the biggest source of anxiety in the dating world. A lack of clarity and a lack of intentionality. It's just this ambiguous soup of anxiety. Right, we, we, we throw in the ingredients, we throw in our, our dreams, we throw in our hopes, we throw in our baggage, we throw in our fears, we throw in our insecurities, and we, and we, we cook it up, and we're like, there's the soup of dating. You know what it cures that? In massive amounts is clarity and intentionality. Gentlemen, let me speak to you for a moment. Of all the young ladies that I've talked to, heard from over the last seven years, this is the, one of the number one issues of frustration, is that we don't treat them, we don't ask them out with intentionality or clarity. Like, I've never met one girl that prefers, hey, you wanna hang out sometime? Over, hey, I would like to take you on a date Friday night, would you be interested? Huge difference. Gentlemen, you can bring clarity, and you can bring intentionality. And I think, ladies, you can do the same thing. Let me just, let me be honest with you, like, I can't find any Bible verse that says women cannot be intentional and they cannot be clear. It's not just one side of the aisle that's responsible for this, all right? And again, intentionality and clarity with kindness. We can do that. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Like this is the modern day dating. Where there is no vision, where there is no intentionality, it's not gonna go well. Like I've been married 17 years, and when we have a date night every once in a while, I'll be like, like, I learn this lesson all the time, 17 years in, like, I'm an idiot. Like, 
I'm like, Taylor, where do you want to go to dinner? She's like, I don't know. And so I'm like, okay, start over. Intentionality. I know you like this food, this food, and this food. So which one of those would you like? Oh, thank you. Right, I'll go there. Or, hey, I got a whole evening plan for us. This is what we're gonna do, and then we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna take you home by this time, right? Intentionality. I'm thinking about it ahead of time. Trying to be intentional and clear. This is what the evening will look like, and it's going to be a date. It's not a hangout. Because when there's a lack of clarity, when there's a lack of intentionality, you know what's created? Flirtationships and situationships. That's the product of a lack of clarity and a lack of intentionality. That's what is produced. And in those two, whatever phrase you wanna use, flirtationships, really what we're doing is we're using someone because we're unwilling to commit, we're unwilling to be clear, and we're unwilling to bring clarity. And so we're gonna live in this ambiguity because it gives me a little bit of warm fuzzy, but I'm just gonna use you whenever I want to use you to make myself feel better. And so this idea of, of this, like just bottom line is th th those relationships, whatever you wanna call them, it's neither kind nor honoring to the people involved. You're not honoring yourself and you're not honoring them because you're creating ambiguity. If you ever come to a place where you're in a relationship or whatever it is, a situationship, like you, I mean, let's be honest, flirtationships and situationships, they may last for a very short time. That's how it starts. Flirting, you're like, hey, you know, hey, what's going on, whatever. I'm not good at it, it's been a long time. <laughs> but it's when we stay in that season, intentionally, like I don't wanna deal with it. Like there's just, there's just, can we be honest, there's just a lot of immaturity there. Like, hey, I, and, and what that tells me is you're probably not ready to date right now. But when those questions of like, where, what, what are we? When those questions start rising up, that is a, a, a light on your dashboard of dating that says you need clarity. You need clarity, bring clarity. Fellas, if she's asking, hey, so what are we? Guys, if you're like, hey, she's been, you know, she's been texting me like, like, what is this? You need clarity. Ask for clarity. That is fair. It is well within your reason to say, can we get some clarity around this? What are we? Right, because it brings the anxiety level crashing halt. Like I think of, I, when I think about clarity and intentionality, I always think of this one particular story on this one particular day. We were driving, I don't know where it was, it was probably Barnes and Noble, because it's the fancy library, that's what we think about it. And we go, that we're, we're like, all right, we're gonna go to Barnes and Noble, get all the kids in the car. And uh, my middle son, number three, he is the only child that notices details in life. Um, what I mean by that is like, when I get a haircut, he's the only one, including my wife, that will notice I got a haircut. I'll come home, they're like, dad, nice haircut. I'm like, thank you. One of the six of you noticed, right? But he's just that guy, he's that guy. Like he knows where we're going, he knows how to get to Chick-fil-A, he knows how to get to Barnes and Noble, he knows how to get to church, he knows how to get, to, like he knows. And when this story happened, he was like five or six years old. Blows my mind. We're driving to Barnes and Noble, but we got some errands to run. And so like, you know what, we're gonna swing by here and then here and then we'll go to Barnes and Noble. And so we're driving and I look in the rear view mirror and I can see his anxiety on his face rising because we are not going to Barnes and Noble. He knows the way. And he's, he's, I see him look out the window, I see him look out this window, 
And what, this is, I'll never forget this, is like, in my mind, it's one of my favorite moments. All of a sudden, I see his little hand go like this. <laughs> right? He's in the third row of the bourbon, and he's got anxiety all over his face. He's like, I'm like, what's up, bud? He's like, this is not the way to Barnes & Noble. I'm like, you are right. We're gonna go, and, but, it, like, that's dating. When there is a lack of clarity, we're all in the backseat like, where is this going? This is not the way I thought it would go. I thought we were going here, we're going here. What's, like, there, there, there's anxiety there. And so we can do a, give each other a wonderful gift as brothers and sisters in Christ by simply speaking with intentionality and bringing clarity whenever we possibly can. Clarity of feeling, clarity of intention, clarity of direction. And there is a way to be clear and intentional without being intense. Because some of you are intense people. That's just how you're wired. You say it, people are like, whoa. Right? And so when you hear me say bring intentionality and clarity, you're like, absolutely I will. <laughs> I've seen this happen. Like 100%. I've seen, I know... There's a guy, he's not our ministry anymore, he's not here, he's, he, he's, he's, he's graduated and he's no longer here with us. Uh, I mean, he's alive, but. <laughs> but I remember, he walked up to this one young lady, he's like, hey, here's the deal. Um, you're the kind of person I think I can see myself marrying, would you like to go on a date? Whoa, <laughs> whoa, hard stop, freak out, right? Any guy does that, at, no girl's gonna respond well to that. I mean, that is way too much information, right? So there is a way to be clear and intentional without being that weird Christian person that wants to plan out the next five years of your life on the first date. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. But what you can say is something like this. Hey, this is where I'm seeing this going. This is how I hope you feel because this is how I feel. I'm not gonna go out and just leave you hanging. In fact, I'm gonna call you tomorrow afternoon intentionality and clarity. And all of a sudden, he knows, she knows exactly what you're thinking. Hey, I liked hanging out with you. I enjoyed this evening and I would love to do this again. I will call you tomorrow. But then you gotta do it. You gotta call them and follow up because at the end of the day, clarity is kindness. Clarity is kind and this is one area that we, tonight as young adults, we can grow in this area tonight. Bringing clarity. There's three moments in a relationship that need clarification. And let me just put this disclaimer out there. When it comes to these relationships, right, that bringing clarity and bringing intentionality, we have got to offer each other a lot of grace. Because most of us are not good at this. Because we're not in these situations every day. We don't want to be in these situations every day, right? And so when, when, when that person that either is asking you out or you've been on the date, when they try and bring clarity, give them grace, they may not do it well. Hear the heart behind what they're trying to say. But we need clarification. There's three areas of clarification. In the beginning of the relationship, there needs to be clarity, right? Like I said, no woman ever says, I just dream of some guy saying, would you like to hang out? They want to be asked out on a date. They want the clarity. They want the intentionality so that they're not like, what is this, right? 
Give them that gift of clarity. So in the beginning, give clarity. In the middle of the relationship, give clarity. Like, when, like at the end of the day, what, what are you thinking? What am I thinking? That means you need to bring clarity. This is what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we had a great time tonight. And I would love to, to see you again. I would like to continue to see you. Would that be all right? Right? And that's that moment where, as a guy, I feel like I'm sticking my neck out, and you've got the meat cleaver. You know, you can chop my head off, my ego along with it, or... We can do this again, right? Like, and so again, that's why there needs to be kindness in the response. Hey, you know what? This was a nice night. But I wanna be honest with you. I don't know if I see this going any farther than tonight. Intentional, clear, and kind. We take care of our brother and sister in Christ. We honor them and care for them as we go through the process and we bring clarity in the middle of it. And then maybe as you get more serious, right, towards the end of the relationship, right, but whether it's, it's, either, it's gonna end in one of two ways, an engagement or a breakup. Only two options. And I tell young adult men this all the time when they're heartbroken. The ratio of your heart being broken to your heart being joyful is way out of balance. Because ultimately you want one yes. But to get to that one yes, you're gonna to have to go through a lot of no's. And so go into it the expectation, like, hey, there's, a, there's probably a greater than 50-50 chance this is gonna be a no, that at some point this relationship will end. But in the midst of it, let's honor and be kind and be clear. But when you start to feel that, like here's, here's a great line in the middle, before you even get there, before you get to the DTR, right? Before you say, like, hey, where, where are we going here? Maybe you offer early on, hey, if at any point, you're not, this isn't going the direction you want it to go, just let me know, I would love to know that. And you know what, I'll do the same for you. Like you open the door for the conversation to happen. Like, like it, it, there's a good chance of it happening, so open the door, say hey, at any time. This is where you gotta find your peace and joy and value in the Lord first, because when you do that, this conversation's way easier. Because like, whether we continue or not, I'm good. I'm gonna, it's gonna hurt a little bit to the ego, but it's gonna be okay. God's got me. And so if at any point you don't see this going any further, just let me know. Right? Clarity and intentionality. Like, hey, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about her. You're thinking about him. And they are going to appreciate that and feel honored by it. Because you're thinking ahead of what they might be experiencing or thinking or feeling. And so in the end, if it ends in a breakup, dun, dun, dun. I wanna say this to guys and girls, all right, both of you. Three words, be truthful, honest, and gentle. Be truthful, don't make up stories, don't make up excuses, be truthful, right? Be truthful and honest, like don't make, do exaggerations. Like, I, like I, I was telling the staff today, like I remember when I was in college, I got broken up with by this girl who I you know, thought I was gonna marry, and, and she pulled the old, you know, I just need to date Jesus right now. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, now I'm mad at you and Jesus. Like, because he's not telling me the same thing. Right? That's dishonest. She just didn't want to date me anymore. Just say that. Just say, you know what? I, I've enjoyed it so far or whatever, and I just don't see this going any farther. So do, be truthful and honest and be gentle. Because this is, this is a moment where you're holding their heart and say, so, hey, honor them in the breakup. Honor them, don't freeze them out. 
Don't ghost her or pretend that it wasn't something when it was something. And I think specifically Christians are, this is a hard one. Because we're in the same world, we're, we, we share a, a love for the Lord, we come to the gathering, and we go to church together, and we're together all the time, and so we do this flirtationship thing, and then when someone finally tries to get clarity, we're like, uh, no, that wasn't the way I was seeing this. When you know you were, but you don't want to put yourself in a place of vulnerability. And so you say, you're the crazy one. Like that is not honoring to your brother and sister in Christ. You say, you know what, you're right. This was something, but what is it? Are we going to go on a date or what? Like, what's going on? And so we don't ghost people. That's just straight immaturity. We don't freeze them out. That's just mean and unkind. And we don't pretend what they thought was happening wasn't happening. When you dang know, what, know well, it was. We honor them. And we care for them. This Because when we freeze them out, when we ghost them, when we pretend it wasn't something... One, it's neither gracious nor godly, but what it does inadvertently is it gives them baggage for the rest of their life on the way out. Because they're like, man, man, I'm not seeing things right. Like, maybe I don't see, man, I'm not good at relationships. And all because we weren't mature enough to say, you know what? You're right. I probably flirted with you too much. I didn't intend to do that. Can you forgive me? But now we've given them baggage the rest of their life. Here, here's some insecurity. Here's some fear to walk into your next relationship with. Right, and so we, we, that's why we don't do those things. It's not godly, it's not gracious, and it adds baggage to their life. So without clarity, it is extremely difficult to honor people and increase, increasingly easy to use people. When we're not clear, when it's just ambiguous, it becomes increasingly easy to use people to fill a temporary need and desire that we have. And so we're using them instead of serving and caring for them. Number four, how do we date? We date patiently and with restraint. We date patiently and with restraint. First Timothy 5.24 says, the sins of some people are conspicuous, obvious, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. Right? So, like some people are just obvious bad apples. You're like, nope, hard stop right off the bat. No, it's obvious. But what Paul is writing to Timothy here is like, hey, listen, but some people are bad apples just by looking at them. But some look pretty good, but over time, it will, their character will be revealed. All right? And so we need to be patient. Instead of jumping all in, like, oh, did, I, for love at first sight, right? We want the romantic story. We want the rom-com. We want the Hallmark movie story, whatever. We want it so bad that we're like, hey, I'm going to define it as this quickly. And then everything that happens, you're going to compromise so that it fits the narrative that you want. But if we go in and say, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to slow play this because character is revealed over time. Anyone, anyone can come to the gathering. Anyone. Anyone can pretend to be someone for a while. And so it's important as we date to be patient, to walk through seasons with them. Maybe it's just the seasons of the year, but maybe it's difficult seasons. I would highly recommend that. Watch how they deal with difficulty. Watch how they deal with stress. Watch how they deal with people who are unkind to them. Watch how they deal with the waiter and waitress. One of my staff said today, watch how they talk to their mom. Character reveals itself over time, so we must 
be patient. We cannot date out of desperation. 1 Corinthians 13, four through six, the famous love passage that you hear in a lot of weddings. Love is patient. Did you guys catch that? Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. See the theme here? It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, and it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. What a wonderful picture. If we're gonna evaluate, this is the evaluation. And this goes both for men and women. Are they patient? Are they dishonoring to me, to other people? Are they self-seeking and self-serving? Am I self-seeking? Am I self-serving, right? It's a two-way street, because love does not push for compromise, but patiently waits, honors, and always protects. So we, we date patiently, but also with restraint. Like, we have desires. We're physically attracted to each other. We're going to have temptation. But what does love do? Love does not push for compromise. It is patient. It does not dishonor someone who is not your spouse. Most likely, you're dating someone else's spouse. And so we honor them. And you honor your future marriage, whether it's with them or somebody else. Because that's what love does. What lust does, lust is impatient. It pushes for compromise. It dishonors and uses people. And so as we date, we evaluate, who is this person? Are they self-seeking and self-serving? Are they honoring to me? Are they honoring to themselves? Hebrews 13, four says, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Right, that's why this idea with friends with benefits is absolutely not biblical. It's just, it's just disobedience. Like God created sex, God created men, and God created women for a certain relationship, a sexual relationship in the confines of a marriage where it is safe, it is committed, and it is protected. Love always protects. It doesn't push to break the rules, right? It doesn't push to get compromise. It's not self-seeking because you have desires. It's self-sacrificing. John 13, love as Christ has loved us self-sacrificially. You see, if we give lust free reign in our relations, it is impossible to honor one another. Let me say that again. If we give lust free reign in our relationships, it is impossible to honor one another. And it makes that breakup a thousand times more painful because we've given ourselves to someone that is not ours. We've given up our, our values and we've given up our, our standards and our boundaries to someone who has betrayed us and they are not for us. And that's why I think these texts in 1 Corinthians about love is so important because God has given us wonderful things and wonderful gifts and sex is one of those gifts but our world would take it to use people to get what we want. God says, 
No, this is a gift between two committed, loving people who are in it, for, in it to win it. And so in doing so, you honor and love and care and serve one another in that relationship. So four, I wanna give you four quick ways to honor one another physically in a dating relationship. Number one, know and communicate your boundaries and your values, all right? It's, boundaries do nothing if they're not connected with values. Boundaries are just the what. Values are the why of the what. This is my boundary and let me tell you why that's my boundary, right? Maybe it's, hey, this, I, got, I don't know. This is, this is one of those conversations that is, again, is not a first date conversation, FYI, all right? But we communicate them. In order to communicate them, you must know them. And let me just encourage you in this. Don't wait to know your boundary until you're in a relationship because that boundary will never be the same. Figure it out before you have a significant other that you have on your mind. Say, this is who I am, and this is why I am who I am. Last week I talked about who do you date. You, you date someone who's running the same race at the same pace. This is one of the huge ones. Are they, do they have the same mentality and idea for purity in your relationship? Do you know what it is, and do you know why? Because the why of our world too often informs our what. We let Hollywood and music define what should happen and what should not happen. What I would argue is, hey, let's open this thing, let's look at some scriptures and say, what are the principles of God's word when it comes to physical intimacy, all right? Number two, share those boundaries and values with others and with one another for accountability purposes. Share them with each other. Share them with your close-knit group of friends. Like, hey, this is, we're going on a date, I want you to know, this is my values, this is my boundaries, I want you to ask me next week at small group, how's it going? You share it. Number three, ask a different question. Right, the question that we like to ask is how far can I go? How far can we, we go before we move into dishonor? That's the wrong question. The better question is, is this glorifying to God and honoring to them? Different question, better question. Instead of saying, hey, how close can I get to dishonor, let's see how close we can get to honoring them every second of every day we're together. Is this honoring to them and is, this, is God glorified in this? Ask that question. So ask a different question. And lastly, pray together to honor one another. And I will give one little disclaimer here. Prayer is an intimate activity. It just is. When you pray with someone together with the Lord, it is an intimate thing. Your spiritual lives are coming together in that moment. So be very, very careful. I would almost advise pray together separately. Don't do it at 11 o'clock on the couch at the end of the day. Bad time, all right? But before you go on the date, say, hey, let's, before we go on this date, let's just, let's just pray that our eyes would be on the Lord the whole time. That God, he would guide us and that he would give us wisdom to honor and care for one another. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When you think about the words of Christ here, in the confines of relationship, and specifically in a dating relationship, in the same way, let your light shine. You are a Christian. 
If you have given your life to Christ, you're a Christian. Let your light of Christ shine before others on that date. Let your light shine so that they may see your good deeds, that the person you're on that date with would see how you treat them. They'd see your good deeds. And you know what they do? That would produce in them when they go home that night, giving glory to God, saying, God, thank you for that young lady. Thank you for that young man. He honored me and he cared for me. I saw what he did. I saw how she treated me and treated other people. Man, God, thank you for them. Right, that the way that they would see us interact would produce a worship of the Lord. God, thank you for that good gift. That was a fun night. Thank you for, the, for bringing a, a guy into my life that treats me that way. God, thank you for bringing a, a young lady into my life that, that cares and has a, has a depth about her that just pushes me in my faith, right? Like, like their good deeds would push us to glorify God and worship him. Because in all reality, and I'll close this point, when we talk about woundedness and relationships, when we talk about baggage, it's usually 100% this part. Almost 100% the physical intimacy. We've gone too far, we've done things we didn't think we'd ever do. And that's for probably many of you, your story. And to you, I would say, God is ready to redeem you and to forgive you and move forward. Just because it's part of your past or maybe part of your present does not mean it needs to be part of your future. God is a God of renewal and redemption, so let's start walking in obedience now, right? It's forgiven. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew, he already, he already paid for it. He's already forgiven us, so let's walk afresh and anew for us. Like, all right, that's who I was, but now this is who I am. All right, last one, how to date, number five, in community. And what I mean by community, we've been talking about this on our team, I don't mean just like, date in this room with a couple hundred people. I mean date in your community. Get the person you're dating around your people. The people that care about you. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right back in, like this idea of dating is a relatively new concept, right? Really within the last 100 to 125 years, it is a new idea. Before, basically almost all of human history, it was one of two things. It was either arranged marriages where your parents got together with someone else's parents and said, this is gonna happen. It had nothing to do with love. It had everything to do with practicality. All right, and so they, that's why they did it. And then, then later on, there's this thing called courting, right? It's an old-fashioned term. It's called courting, where basically the, the guy would go to the parents and ask for permission just to, just to come over and hang out with the family. And that young man would come into the living room. Why? Because they want to get that young man in front of grandma and grandpa and mom and dad and little Timmy and little Susie so that we can all see who you are. And so we, I, I love that concept because that concept is built for the protection specifically of the women and for the accountability of the men. But it works both ways. Gentlemen, it is a protection for you and it is an accountability for the ladies that we would be known amongst our friends. Date in the open. Don't pair off all by yourself all the time, every time. Like I, we see this happen all the time. You find that person and then you ghost the rest of your friend groups, right? And then when it doesn't go well, 
kind of like come back, like, can I still be your friends? Or like, oh, what? like, nah, come on. Let's just involve the friends. Let's, let's bring back double dates and triple dates and group dates. Let's go out together. Let's have a good time. Guys, if I can give you any advice on a first date, just go on a double or triple date the first date. It takes all the pressure off you carrying the entire conversation. You're bringing other personalities. Grab a couple Enneagram sevens on that date, right? <laughs> Whew, thank you. All right, you take care of the fun. Great, I just get to sit here and listen and laugh and whatever, right? Get them around your people. Let them see. Like it, the, the value of having someone who is not romantically interested in your date is invaluable because they can see what you do not see because your feelings are blinding you. And so we get them around our people. We serve next to them, right? We get them around our people. Proverbs 26, or 24, six says, and in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. And I can't think of an area of our life where we want more victory than our dating life. We want this to work. We want it to go well. So bring in the counselors. Bring in those people that love you and know you and care for you and want what's best for you. Bring them into the conversation. And what I mean by that specifically is you need to probably find one or at least one or two people that you actually give permission to speak into your dating relationship. Because too many people I've seen, they don't do this, they just assume, well, if my friends see something, they'll say something. Mm -mm. That's not true. Because they, don't, they, they, they know how excited you are. They don't wanna be the buzzkill on your weekend. And so they may see something like, eh, it's not worth a confrontation with my friend to bring that up. But if you, on the front end, say, hey, I wanna invite you, I know you love me, I love your wisdom, I wanna, I wanna invite you to speak into my dating life. If you see something, say something, I welcome it. I want to do this well, I want to honor this person, so I want you to speak into it, right? Invite them in. Don't just get them around, invite them to, and give them permission to speak into it. Because that idea of you being alone in your own head, that's a dangerous concoction of emotion and insecurity and fears and hopes and dreams. If it's, are you alone in there, right? When you think about dating, when you think about that person, are you alone in here? All mashed together, it's just so helpful and wise to have someone who is not romantically interested in them giving you their opinion because they care for you and they love you and they're excited for you. But they also can encourage you and say, hey, I don't know about this. I've seen this, I've heard this. Let's, let's be patient, let's walk a little slower. Because community provides three things. Wise counsel, encouragement, both good and bad, and accountability. That's what community brings. And so when we date, let's date in community, not by ourselves, not isolated, where, where, where there's no accountability. All right, that's why I'm not a huge fan Like just Again, this is just Andy's opinion, okay? We, we, even on our staff, we have disagreements about this. I'm not a huge fan of the DMs, not a huge fan, because it's, it's, it's isolated, it's private. It requires nothing of you, right? Get around them, talk to them. Have a conversation with someone before you ask them out. But it's 2021, you guys do what you want. I don't wanna be that old guy that just poo-paws all the new stuff, right? But, that's the world you live in, but just be wise. 
So in review, how do you date? You date prayerfully, with kindness, intentionality, and clarity, patiently and with restraint and in community. So what do we do with this? We always end with a so what. So here it is, number one, pursue the Lord first. Pursue the Lord first. Before you start thinking about him, before you start thinking about her, take your desire for that relationship and say, God, give me the same desire for you. Let me be filled here before I go try and meet some need out there. Pursue the Lord first. Seek first his kingdom and everything else will be added to you. It starts with the vertical before the horizontal relationships. Let's get this healthy so that this can be healthy. Number two, I wanna ask a question. Do you need to get or give clarity? Are you in a relationship? Have you started a relationship? Are you in a flirtationship? You need to get clarity. If there's any inkling of where is this going, what are they thinking, ask them. What are you thinking? It's not a difficult thing to ask. Hey, when it comes to you and I, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? Maybe you gotta lead with here's what I'm thinking. Somebody's gotta be vulnerable. Someone's gotta lead with vulnerability. Here, here, okay, here's a challenge. The more mature person in the relationship should lead with the, with the question. Let's bring your ego into it. Whoever's more mature says, hey, this is how I feel, how do you feel? That takes maturity and bravery. So do you need to get or give some clarity tonight or this week? Number three, is there an apology that needs to be offered? Right, as, I've, as we've talked last week, as we talked this week, has something come up, has a relationship come up, has something happened that's currently happening that you need to say, you know what, I've heard something in the last two weeks from God's word that says, you know what, I'm not honoring you in this area, I need to apologize. Hey, you know what, we dated before, there's some things that I, we did that I, I need to apologize for. That's not the man I wanna be, that's not the woman I wanna be. I know I pushed your boundaries, I'm, I don't wanna apologize for that. Is there an apology to be had, right? Ephesians, be kind to one another, forgiving each other. In order to forgive, there needs to be a reconciliation. So maybe for you tonight, that's the step of obedience coming out of this, is how do you date? Maybe you start by offering an apology in some way, shape, or form. Number four, are you being yourself, right? Are you impressing or trying to be a blessing? Are you being yourself? Just be yourself. If you trust the Lord with your eternity, you can trust him with your dating life. So just be yourself. Be winsome. Don't be so intense, say, hey, this is who I am. Sure, get dressed up, I mean, take a shower, that's great. But like if we're just concerned about impressing them, we're actually leading them down a road of deception. So just be yourself. Think, how can I bless this person instead of just impress them? Because if God's in it, if you've got this right, guess what? They're going to be impressed. Like, man, that is a woman after God's own heart. I'm impressed. That is a man who honors me and is serving the Lord and pursuing Jesus. That is impressive. And it is, because it's rare. And then lastly, Ask yourself this question, what would it look like to bring God into how you date? 
Another way to say is, how would your dating viewpoint activity change if you said, hey God, I'm gonna give it to you? What would it look like to bring God into how you date? Because coming back to the snowstorm, dating is a blizzard. It is a blizzard. It is whiteout conditions out there. We don't see where we're going. We can't see where we've been. We don't, maybe we don't want to see where we've been. But when we look to God's word, we see the guideposts on the side of the road and say, all right, I'm going to stay in this lane. And there's a wonderful peace and comfort and hope that comes into your dating life when you see the guideposts and say, this is who I want. This is where I wanna go. I'm not going this way. I'm not turning down that road. There's the ditch. Oh, there's the pole. I'm not gonna avoid it, right? Because dating is like a blizzard. We're still gonna have to grip the steering wheel. (laughs) But let's trust him in it so that as we drive down the road slowly, we honor one another while we do it. We serve and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ with kindness and clarity and intentionality because you wanna get married for a lifetime, not just a good time. Let's pray. Lord, I wanna thank you for tonight. Thanks for your word that gives us guideposts and guardrails of how we are to do relationships. God, I pray for those in this room tonight, Lord, that have a, a, just, the past is just a, a, a wreck. God, I pray for healing. I pray for just a redemption of that past, that they would know your forgiveness and they would know your grace. God, I pray for wisdom in this room as they maneuver and navigate the road of dating. God, that you would, they would invite you into it. That they would rest in your goodness and sovereignty. And that as they go, their focus would be to bless and not impress. We praise things in your name, amen.